Hello, and welcome to PDA, Neurodivergence, and the Perpetually Determined Advocate. I am your Perpetually Determined Advocate, Cassandra. This is a bi-weekly podcast dedicated to raising awareness and acceptance of PDA, or Pathological Demand Avoidance, which is a lesser-known part of the autism spectrum. My hope for this podcast is to provide a place of learning and growth, as well as a platform for PDAers, professionals, parents, family members, and others to speak out on this condition, as well as providing resources for those who want to learn more. If you or someone you know would like to come on and use this platform to tell their story, please contact me at perpetuallydeterminedadvocate at gmail.com. Now, let's launch into this episode's topic. So those of you listening know that I have worked to make this podcast something that provides information, relatable stories, and just attempts to build a community. And I've tried to stay away from anything that's very divisive um, or tears, you know, kind of puts people on opposite sides. I've I've tried to avoid um, anything inherently political because that's it's not the point of this right the point of this podcast is to help provide information about various forms of neurodivergence though specifically we do tend to focus on things like autism and um, PDA because really and truly those are the lesser understood in the case of PDA um almost hardly ever understood or even known about, right? And so I've I've tried to avoid some other things, which is why the thing I want to talk about today has been difficult. It's a topic that I've tossed back and forth whether or not I wanted to cover because it can be a rather politically charged, divisive topic. However, the more I've considered it, the more I keep coming back to the fact that as the mother of a child who does have um, PDA, um, ASD, um, you know, I have two other kids who have ADHD, like I have kids who fall into various forms of neurodivergence, kids with impulse control issues. And so the more I think about it as a mother of a child with impulse control issues, this is a topic that I really just feel like I want to talk about. And I know all of you now are like, oh my gosh, what is she about to tell? Like, you're all waiting with bated breath now. Um, I can say that this is more so a topic that will affect my, or apply to, not affect, but apply to my listeners in the United States because it has to deal with these two programs that we're starting to see pop up in schools, which are the school marshal and the guardian plans. Those are plans to um, essentially arm people at the schools in the case of school shootings, which is a very unfortunate uh, part of life as a parent with a child in school in the United States is that you cannot argue like school shootings are happening in the United States. They happen. Uh, We've had some just recently in in my home state of Texas, you know, um, school shootings are an unfortunate, unfortunate part of the life of school age children in this nation. 
Um, and so there are a few different things that we started to see schools doing and um, in an effort to have sort of fall into that whole good guy with a gun ideology. So sometimes you will have schools that will just essentially um, employ a, well, not employ, but they will have a police officer that is on site all day. Um, so this police officer is strictly work sitting, you know, he's at the school or she is at the school. Um, and they are there in case something happens. There are also a couple of other programs that can be initiated. A friend of mine was telling me how, um, you know, she teaches in a public school setting. She teaches at a high school, as a matter of fact. Uh, this was a friend of mine from graduate school, and she has said that, you know, they've considered a couple of these, but some of them can be quite expensive um, to initiate. Now, I just kind of want to cover the the basis of these, provide you with the facts, but um, and then I'll kind of deal with some of the things that I, as a parent of a neurodivergent child uh, with impulse control issues, why I, I have concerns. And then I urge you all to sort of find out if this stuff is happening in your area, just so that you can be aware and informed. As I said, I'm not trying to start a political debate, but I, I do want to make sure that people are aware of these possibilities and are informed, especially when you're dealing with differently wired kiddos. So here are the two programs. You have the school marshal program, which is essentially allows uh, a person to carry a concealed handgun on their person um, or transport it into the school and stored in a locked, secure location per written regulations. Um, we actually have an act in Texas called the Protection of Texas Children Act that allows uh, the board of trustees of a district to, uh, at an open enrolled charter school, to appoint people for their campus, but also at um, public schools as well. So for the um, school marshal program, uh, the qualifications for a person to be able to carry that concealed handgun on their person or to store it in a secure location on campus, they have to um, have um, licensing and certification to carry the handgun based on the Texas codes. Um, they have to have had a psychological exam and have gone through 80 hours of instruction. The training that they are provided in those 80 hours is supposed to um, help to emphasize strategies for preventing school shootings and also to work at securing the safety of um, children or uh, faculty, potential victims, essentially, in the event of a school shooting. It also is aimed at educating the person in the training about the various different legal issues that are related to the duties of peace officers and the use of deadly force. In other words, having to, say, shoot the, um, the shooter, the active shooter. Um, it's also designed to introduce the person to effective law enforcement strategies and techniques 
improve their proficiency with a handgun and enable them to respond in an emergency situation, such as a school shooting, which would require deadly force. Um, and this is directly from the what I'm reading you is these are the regulations for Texas. So this is directly from the TEA guidelines for this. I actually went to uh, and got the official document, the PDF, and so I'm, some of the stuff that I'm reading you is directly from it. Um, it also said that since 2013, Texas has permitted by law school districts to appoint one or more specially trained and licensed employees as school marshals um, based on the Texas Education Code. So while school marshals are an option, um, this is essentially any person, right? This can be faculty or staff who goes through the training and is deemed a school marshal, and they are then allowed to carry this gun on, like I said, either on their person or transport it onto campus and then store it in a locked location. Now, again, not... I'm not getting into the political discussion about the Second Amendment rights. My concern, strictly, is if you have people, a school marshal, carrying a handgun on their person around children with impulse control issues, especially as they get older, that is a potential danger in and of it. That, that is my concern. My son, not that he is going to hurt someone else. My concern is that my son will hurt himself. He does. He tries to, at the ripe age of nine, he tries to hurt himself. Um, he has, you know, those of you who've listened to my previous episodes, you know that he has expressed to counselors ways that he has thought of to kill himself. And so having a school marshal not that any of the schools he attends have them yet but it is a possibility and so having a school marshal someone who um, is could potentially be carrying a handgun on their person that is scary to me that he will get extremely upset and get his hands on that weapon and hurt himself or god forbid kill himself with it but again, those are my specific fears. So I'm just kind of providing this information so other parents can be aware that this is, you know, these are possibilities. These are things that can, in fact, happen. And urging parents to be aware in their state what the um, education agency for their state may or may not allow. Because school marshals are, are one option. They're not the only option. Um, you, like I said, some school districts do have a police officer that will come on to campus um, and they are not in the classroom, right? The police officer that's on campus that can be deployed to um, various different parts of the campus in the event of an active shooter, they're not going to be in the classroom with the children, right? They're not going to be in that kind of close proximity. So that's a bit of a, a different plus police officers are armed all hours of their shifts right that's just part of the job so that's a different situation i guess would be the best word to describe that one um another option for um a school board 
is to um, have what they call uh, follow the guardian plan. So the guardian plan is where they authorize specific people to carry firearms on school premises, right? So in this situation, a school district has the option to appoint one or more school marshals um, or, you know, guardians to specific individual employees. Um, and this is, um, part of it is under the authority of the, what's called the federal gun free school zone act and the Texas, you know, part of the Texas penal code. Um, you can designate for, people who aren't members of faculty or staff. Um, it can be members of faculty or staff, or it can be other people to carry firearms on campus. Um, so this is, it, it has basically stages, right? So you can have a police officer, you can go to the next one, which is a marshal, which is a member of your faculty or staff who goes through the training and is then allowed to carry the, um, the weapon onto campus. And then, you can go to the guardian, and the guardian is someone who does, they're not necessarily a member of faculty or staff. They could be, um, you know, just someone from the community who has been hired, whether it's a, a parent or, you know, a former police officer or former, um, you know, security officer it could be a you know retired veteran whatever it can be anyone essentially um it does not have to be a member of the faculty or staff of the school that can be employed as the guardian right and they are allowed to um they're authorized essentially by the district to carry the firearm on school premises um but um if there are some other guidelines for it, too. Like, in most cases, it said that the school districts limit employee authorization to, like, commissioned peace officers. Um, but you can offer that to other people, right? So for the qualifications for a guardian is a little bit different than the qualification for a marshal. So under this one, for the guardian program, the person has to ha at least have a handgun license, right? So, like, with Texas, we are a what's referred to as a constitutional carry state. Um, so you don't necessarily have to go through a concealed handgun um, training course. You don't have to have a handgun license to purchase a weapon. But in order to kind of fall under the guidelines for a guardian, you do have to have that handgun license. Um, they also require a, an additional like 15 to 20 hours of specialized training by um, either a Department of Public Safety officer or a qualified handgun instructor um, to go over school safety training um, and how to sort of the you know, how to handle situations specific to school shootings. Now, the handgun license training has to come from, um, like, uh, a licensed instructor, right? So it has to be someone who is sort of registered. And you have to have, um, it says that there's classroom or online instruction has to include at least four hours 
and not more than six hours of instruction on the laws that relate to weapons and the use of deadly force, handgun use and safety, including open carry, nonviolent dispute resolution, and proper storage practices for handguns with an emphasis on storage that eliminates the possibility of injury to a child. And it also has to have a range, uh, has has to include range instruction of one to two hours to demonstrate physical proficiency with a handgun. Um, so it's not, it's not quite as intensive as the Marshall program. Um, it also says that like specialized training uh, is sometimes available from the Department of Public Safety uh, in order to be proficient in um, providing that training to school districts in, in school safety. So like they are, um, cause the DPS is, that's the agency that governs handgun licenses. And so they have to establish this process for handgun instructors. And so you can get that training course through them instead of going through other means. Sometimes that's um, available. So that's why it says you can get the training from DPS or from a qualified handgun instructor that is licensed. Um, but the training includes uh, like 15 to 20 hours of the training is specialized on um, protection of students in the event of a school shooting, uh, the interaction of license holders with first responders to ensure that the guardian um, is not confused with an active shooter, um, tactics for denying intruders entry into a school um, whether that's the, um, the facility itself, like the campus itself, or the classroom, and then various methods for increasing this person's accuracy with a handgun while under duress, because school shootings are extremely high-stress um, events, and it, these types of events are obviously going, that high level of stress can have an effect on um, a person's you know, with shaky hands and stress, you may not be as accurate. So there are um, tactics and methods employed to help that person to be more accurate in those states of duress in case they have to use deadly force to take down a school shooter. Um, now, again, I, I'm so torn on, I'm not necessarily torn I understand, like, for my kids, they go to schools where there are police officers on on duty all day, every day. There is a police officer at each one of the schools that my children attend. Well, my younger two. Um, I mean, my oldest technically, too, because the university where he's at has its own police department on campus that, you know, sort of patrols the area. But um, my younger two, the schools in their school district all have a police officer on duty all day in the school all day and that whenever that happened it, it did help me to feel a bit more um I don't want to say comfortable because I don't think any parent ever feels truly comfortable with the idea that they you know with the sheer number of school shootings that we have so I, I think we all kind of worry um a lot or maybe I'm just a big worrier myself. I, you know, but 
having a police officer there did help to assuage some of the the concern that I had, because at least I knew there was um, someone on campus that could help. But the concern I have with expanding that whole um, good good guy with a gun type of thing, like when you start having people, especially if they're carrying these weapons on their person yes they could be in a locked you know they could have a a a lock on the holster and whatnot but it just it introduces new concerns especially when you're dealing with um children who have um high issues with impulse control who act without thinking at times um just the potential for something to go wrong i guess is is what scares me um the idea that a school shooting could happen to any of my children is, is terrifying as well. Um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, again, those are my personal concerns. The point of this episode was more or less to say, here are two possible programs um, that can be employed at schools in the state of Texas. I know, I think Ohio has also... I think it was Ohio, recently also um, implemented something like the Marshall Program to where teachers and um, staff can go through the training to be armed and to carry a gun onto campus. Um, I know there are a lot of teachers who are sort of up in arms at the idea of adding that to their already sort of heavy work burdens um, to also add that to the the list of things they're expected to do is is for many of them just a bit too much Um, but more than anything I just wanted to provide this information and say to my fellow parents of neurodivergent kids out there be aware right just know what's going on in your state check the state board and their guidelines for things like this are these programs because for us for parents of kids that are differently wired we have to be aware of these things a little bit more than um parents of neurotypical kids because this is um this is something that it affects our kids differently and so we need to kind of be aware of of what is happening and what is going on and what is and isn't allowed in the schools where our kids are um because we kind of have to work on that advocacy for them and um, concerns for their safety. You know, there were, uh, because sometimes there are actions taken that are not always in the best interests of our children, and sometimes people make decisions on how to interact with neurodivergent kids that are completely counterintuitive to what they need. Um, if you listen a few episodes back, I had one where, you know, I had a, a, my kiddo had a teacher this year who didn't believe in masking. He didn't think masking was real. He thought my son was able to turn his behavior on and off. He was able to turn his autism on and off. Um, he thought that's what masking was, you know, so there are sometimes decisions made when people interact with our kids, um, that are not, what's best for them. And if they are in a school where 
you have situations like this that could be dangerous. Um, I know some people would want to know and want to take action, and I don't know that everyone is aware that programs like this are out there. So, as always, I'm here to provide information. Here are programs that could potentially be in effect, and if that's something you are not comfortable with your child being around, then you should probably be aware of that possibility. Um, so again, just check your state's educational, um, for us it's TEA, um, but the, the state school board, and see whether or not these are programs that are allowed and if it's something that is being employed because knowledge is power and we have to know what is happening in our kiddos' schools. And unfortunately, this stuff isn't always made as transparent as it should be. So... Sometimes you have to actually go looking for this information in order to find out um, the fact that it is even a consideration. I know I did. And so that's why I wanted to provide this so that you all would also know that you kind of need to look into these things if it's something that you would not be comfortable with your child being around. So there's the information, a topic that I have been very much sort of back and forth on the fence about whether or not I wanted to cover because of how potentially politically charged it could be. Um, but the point of this wasn't to debate gun rights. It was to inform people that you may be in a place where guns would be in the school with your child and not with a police officer. Um, they could be walking around the school on a person or they could be locked in a box somewhere in the school but I know that's something I would want to know about so I just wanted to provide that for you all so that you could also make sure that you know about it and until next time my friends as always you can email me with any questions comments constructive criticism or concerns at perpetually determined advocate at gmail.com you can also find the podcast on social media just search pda neurodivergence and the perpetually determined advocate on facebook or instagram and until next time remember in a world where you can be anything be kind